Welcome to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for everything dwarfy. I'm Jonathan. I'm Roland. And we're coming to you again for our second episode to talk about things Dwarf Fortress related. So uh, how was your week, Roland? My week was absolutely fantastic because I played Dwarf Fortress. <laughs> <laughs> are, are your classes in session right now? Um, no, I have uh, free time. I was supposed to um, have a um, uh, practica in uh, my lab, but I don't. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I uh, I had a very busy week, and I didn't get to play Dwarf Fortress very much at all this week. Uh, right after we did our recording, I played that night, and I will tell about what happened with that fortress here in a, here in a moment. So we did get our first episode published, so we are now an official, real podcast, I guess you'd say. Uh, we, weird, at this but... moment, are not yet on iTunes, but I'm hoping that that will be coming up in the next couple of days. We've got a few downloads, a few hits on our website, so uh, everybody, if you would like to uh, subscribe, then uh, you can go to the website dfroundtable.com. And you can find everything that you need to know to subscribe there. Or uh, hopefully, if you search your podcatcher of choice, uh, we'll be in the directories, all the popular ones, uh, very soon. So you've been playing Dwarf Fortress this week a lot. Uh, anything uh, exciting and new going on in your fortress? Sadly, I, I do have this world, which is very old, right? And I tried to recapture one of my first fortresses I made in that world. I can't really play anymore because I used to have about 200 dwarfs or something. And now I have 41, which, oh, of, no. uh, which are mostly uh, just barons and kings and whatever. And they don't exactly work. And there are cats and dogs all dead lying around. And... The worst part is, I'm in a haunted biome, so if I unpause my game, everything will rise and kill my dwarves. Oh no, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's not much fun. So whenever you said that you recaptured it, is that a situation where you choose the same, and I've never done that sort of thing before, so do you choose the same location to embark to, or do you unretire the 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 fortress? How does How does that work? Well, um, you unretire fortress, and then you come back when it's still uh, when it's not a ruin. You don't get new dwarfs. If it is a ruin, you get new, new dwarfs. So again, you go there with uh, seven new dwarfs, and then start up again. But if there are still people living there, and it doesn't matter how many people still there, uh, you don't get new dwarfs. <laughs> and um, <laughs> Well, I wish I had gotten some because uh, my barons are not really fond of working. Yeah, and uh, it's it's still the same fortress I had before, but things are different. So your dwarves kind of work while you you are away. So they do make food. They um, sometimes even cut jewels and do crafts stuff. Uh, but the most unnerving part is actually that they will open doors and well that's not fun because the entire surface of my world is full of zombies and they open the doors Come to upstairs in. yeah <laughs> if you you said if you unpause it then you're gonna have a fortress that's overrun 
uh, with zombies because mm-hmm. you're in an evil biome. So if you do that and the and you kind of let the zombies wipe out the the people that are there, that's probably not what you want. But uh, after that, when that fortress is dead, can you go back and embark with a new seven dwarves to that same location and reuse the reuse the building? Um, yes, you should be able to do that. It uh, then counts as ruin, I think. If everything is dead, which uh, means that even like one person hidden in some small space in some small cramped space, and the the entire thing is not a ruin, um, yeah. so you have to be sure that everyone is dead, and then it should crumble to an end, and then you should be able to unretire the ruin. Yes. So is that the fortress that you uh, that you spent your time working on this week trying to? To get your your barons off their rears, yeah. Uh, well, it doesn't work. <laughs> I ended it now, but I had so many artifacts, so many good artifacts, and they're all gone now. And I don't know where they went. <laughs> Maybe they were. Uh, I- I heard that whenever you retire a fortress, many of the artifacts will become into will become hidden. It will have a special tag applied to them in the program such that they are hidden so that as a uh, adventurer, if you go in, um, uh-huh. yeah, if you go in, in adventure mode, you can root around in the ruins of the fortress and dig up the artifacts and bring them out and, and be famous uh, among all of the, uh, all of the villages, I suppose. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, um, I haven't really played so much of Adventure Mode, to be honest. I'm, I did for a time, so I know what to do, and I'm not dying because of thirst or starvation or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's not my thing to do. I enjoy more building my fortresses and uh, building up my civilization, you know? I'm the same. I did play Adventure Mode one time, and like I've been playing the game for about a year, and I have only played Adventure Mode one time. And somehow I started. I was a dwarf, but I started sitting in a tree with elves, and <laughs> I could not figure out how to get out of the tree. <laughs> um, I would, I would go. I could tell that I could go from one flat to another, and as I went from flat to flat. I would be talking to these same three or four elves that were just hanging out in the tree with me, but I could not for the life of me figure out how to get down. So I spent about an hour trying to get out of the tree with these elves that I really couldn't stand. And I finally gave up and, and kicked it back into, into fortress mode. So <laughs> Never really got stuck in a tree, but um, there's always the possibility that you have to jump down. But it can happen that you actually break your legs. So, <laughs> well, and also because I was doing it blindly, I didn't I didn't check any instructions or anything like that. I was kind of expecting it to have uh, roguelike uh, control mechanisms, which are usually the VI key set, the, the VI uh, commands, H, J, K, and L for uh, left, up, down, and right, I believe, or use mm-hmm. the uh, the keypad and. I couldn't quite get either of those to work, and I really was just trying it just to see what it was about. 
and I knew that I was going to want to come back to fortress mode anyway. So I was self-sabotaging, I guess. <laughs> but I do want to revisit it sometime, but, but the next time I do revisit it, I will not start in a heavily wooded area because I think that may have been why I started in a tree. Well, I've never started in a tree, but um, I tend to either play um, elephant men if possible because they're massively strong or just anything with wings. Uh, wings would have been handy. Yeah. Fly out of the tree, yeah. But um, things, uh, so animal people with wings tend to be uh, really small, so you don't really um, can find any armor for you. That's a bad part. I spoke of the fortress that I was running with, mm -hmm. and it was a thriving fortress of about 200 dwarves, mm -hmm. and everything was going great. I had just started working on uh, training a military for this fortress. I had uh, repelled one siege already. It was not a very big one. It was, you know, four or five goblins and some, I think there were some humans. Oh, no, there were, yeah, there were some humans that were coming in, but I repelled those with no problem. But this time I was sieged by about 80, uh, oh. 80 goblins and dwarves. <laughs> so 80 Wolf. goblins and dwarves attacked my, attacked my fortress. And I thought, well, you know what? That'll be fine. I'll just go ahead and send my uh, send my squad as it was out. Um, one hour later, all that was left of my entire fortress was one child dwarf. Oh no! He was uh, eleven years old. I think that he was about to turn to an adult to where he could actually do some work. The goblins and dwarves that remained. There was about about 20 of them that remained after all of my other, all the rest of my dwarves and my fortress residents were, were killed. They were hanging out in some of the lower levels of the, of the, the cave of the mines. And this dwarf child successfully, successfully avoided these, these goblins and dwarves for about three months. Hmm. Yeah. And in, yeah, about three in game months. And it didn't. It didn't matter because he got spotted by a dwarf, and oh, no. that dwarven child was killed. And I saw the message on the screen. Very anticlimactic, I must say. It said, "The strength of your fortress has been broken." Oh, and the no. next keystroke brought me back to World Gen, the main menu. So. Yeah. So oh, I had said I had said uh, in our last meeting that um, that I had never sent a fortress to completion to where it ended. I can no longer say that I had a fortress die on my. On my <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's good, right? I, I also had not enacted enabled any traps at all. I, I found that I need to concentrate perhaps a little bit more on training my dwarves for military service and actually equipping them. Instead of having the the most powerful weapon that any of my dwarves wield would be a pick that they are using for mining, and also I need to uh, to do a little bit more studying of traps and and watching the uh, the Krug Smash uh, series on uh, the Monster Killer Fortress mm -hmm. has given me a lot of nice ideas for for traps. Also, his current uh, series that's going on is um, Honey Stoker. Yes. Yeah, Honey Stoker. 
So that one, he has a very long hull that whenever a, a invasion comes in, he will flip a lever and close off his main entrance hall that diverts the invaders down this really long hall that has spikes on it. And these spikes are controlled mm. by pressure plates. As the invaders come in, the ones in the front get stabbed by spikes that come up through the floor as people in the back step on the pressure plates. It's a pretty neat track. It's it's not as effective as I would have thought that it would be. And uh, I think that he has said something uh, along those lines in his video. But it's a really neat uh, a really neat uh, thing to do because he can lock those invaders in that hallway so that they have nowhere to go. So they just keep going back and forth and end up stepping on the on the <laughs> pressure plates and and there's blood everywhere, spikes through the floor. And... Oh no! Yeah, my god. So uh, I learned that I need to to think more about defensive measures and less about what I'm going to trade for when the next caravan comes in, because that's where I had all my attention focused, pretty much. Yeah, I know that feel. But I tend to, like, bury myself in. I go all this uh, defensive. I have maybe, like, two squads, and they're mainly for clearing my cavern of troglodytes or whatever. But I have walls, and... Everything is shut off and drawbridges and weapon traps everywhere. <laughs> Tends to work out most of the time. Sometimes it doesn't. One time I had a moat, um, two, no, just one level deep. And I found out that uh, trolls can swim really good. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't have known that. Yeah. Well, they slaughter it about all my dogs and my kids. And. That was about it. <laughs> Those poor kids. <laughs> My good thing, uh, the kids actually tried to fight uh, the trolls. And by that, they uh, halted the trolls on their tracks. So my military had actually time to go on top and kill all of them. But was so are you saying that your fortress's strategy was throw the children at the trolls until the military gets there? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? It works. It works Somehow so good. Somehow that seems very dwarf fortress, you know? <laughs> yeah, it works so good. When I started my new fortress, I went ahead and used the same world that I had used in my first one. So I'm embarking three years after my first fortress had started. I had never done that before. Does the game change noticeably as the world matures? Well, it depends on what you count as notice noticeably. Um, if you play enough and if you have made another fort already in the same civilization um, that you're playing right now, uh, you can actually get dwarfs you have before in one of your fortresses again as migrants. Um, which I didn't know of until to the point uh, I got a dwarf named Claire, and I was like, hang on, why have you a name? <laughs> well, it turns out um, she was one of the people that lived in my first fort in the uh, entire world, and I didn't know that they can actually go off the island because my first fort was on an island, and she got off somehow and came to my new fort with her uh daughter i think she had also a weird name 
Was the daughter, uh, uh, it was a child dwarf still? No, they're just related. Huh. And they migrated together. That's neat. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you dive into this whole family thing, Dwarf Fortress, you tend to see things completely different. Like, um, one time I had a dwarf that got a big uh, happiness minus from being yelled at. And I was like, why would you get yelled at? And it was actually his mother that yelled at him. And I like to think that it was some kind of family dispute. <laughs> I want to uh, start paying more attention to that. And the YouTube people that I have that I have watched whenever I'm not able to actually play have really led me to understand the value of doing some sort of role-playing in it and that you can attribute and read between the lines as it were with the sparse but relevant information that the game actually gives you you can look at it and imagine the things that uh, are actually happening in their real world much like Mm -hmm. you like to imagine that it was a family dispute was why his mother yelled at him yeah exactly exactly and um if you have an older world, your families tend to be much, much bigger. And if some families are like weirdly structured, so it looks like the, those dwarves spawned later on in the world gen because they have little to no family and no family history. But sometimes you can find families that actually spawned during the first years of your um, world and so they have massive families and one time i actually had also a bard come to my fort and for some reason it was actually the aunt of some of my dwarves which was weird because the bard was uh, human i don't know how that works but hmm Hmm. i have not had Many uh, travelers, of course, again, my, my fortresses don't tend to get too old, but, uh, but I don't tend to have a whole lot of visitors other than whenever I strike a cavern, I immediately get monster hunters that want to come into my fortress and, and hunt monsters, and I tend to let them in. So, Well, yeah, about visitors, there's one thing I um, noticed, and this version 44, right, is... Mm-hmm. very dry on visitors because i used to play a uh, 43.9 and oh my god i had to kill off visitors from, from time to time because i had way too many and they would lag my fort and now it's like oh my god i have one bard whatever after 10 years <laughs> it's it's very different actually and i don't know if that's my fault or if um Toddy actually changed something but it's it is noticeably i would say the latter is probably the case because i uh, i again I, I don't tend to get visitors at all unless uh unless i hit a cavern and it gets opened up and they want to go down and and hunt hunt cavern cave beasts so uh, but I, I still have problems with beasts. <laughs> <laughs> I think I don't pay enough attention whenever the, whenever my dwarves kill off uh, a beast. I don't think I pay enough attention to the combat log and seeing uh, who got bit. Because what I need to do is I just need to hold those people up in a room for, you know, a couple months to see if they ever turn into a beast, And if so, just, you know, unfortunately, just jail them there. 
Um, yeah, um, Joel had uploaded some new video, and uh, in that video he had a rare capybara, which is a tiny creature actually, right. and that was horrible because I think it was actually very strong and slaughtered several dwarfs, and I don't know, but a capybara is not so big. It's like a squirrel. <laughs> it's one tough squirrel though. Oh yeah. I think that the big arc that uh, Toady One is working on right now, I believe that that is villains. He is going to be bringing in villains into Dwarf Fortress, and I'm not sure if that is something that is going to be more adventure mode or more fortress mode. It's supposed to be both, I think. That would be cool. Yeah, I I think um, he wanted to have the player to choose if you want to be good or bad in adventure mode. And in the fortress mode, um, you could get uh, thieves or bandits that live in your fort and try to cause mischief of some kind. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's not like um, the player already does enough mischief uh, on its own in, 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 in fortress mode, you know gets even worse now so i kind of wonder the posting he made on the uh, dev notes and this was yesterday uh, it's it's dated march 9th said that uh, he's been working on several final plots for villains in order to round things out and make use of the new dungeons and so forth says that uh that he'll continue working on it after the game developers conference that's going to happen the 18th to the 23rd so hopefully after that it won't be long before the next release comes out it's been a while. It's been since, what, July of last year? Yeah, it, it really has been a while, yes. What generation? I mean, uh, for example, I heard that people tend to um, make small words, but with a very long history, so about th- a thousand years but uh, a pocket-sized world or something. I don't know. I mean, sure, you have, like, really long history, but if you don't have so much space and where it plays, does it really matter, you know? Um, Because I make big worlds and short history, so I have more place to settle down, because I tend to be really, really picky when it comes to fortress locations. I have been trying to be less picky about my fortress location in that all I really care about is that it's not an evil biome and that it does not have an aquifer. So those are kind of the only two now that I that I really pay attention to. I started off being extremely picky and it would take me, you know, two hours to actually get a game started because number one, whenever I did the find utility, it would take so long to get through the world yeah. map. This last game, this last world that I generated that I've played i'm playing my second fortress on it was a smaller world it seems to me that my actual embark location the the area that i have to to build my fortress in that seems smaller as well is that the case it shouldn't be but uh, you can actually um change the size of your embark can you yeah yeah um you can change it you can make it bigger you can make it small and uh of course if you make it bigger your computer will 
literally ca catch fire at some point. But you can make it smaller. And one time I tried to make it as small as possible because I wanted the good juicy FPS. But yes, it's very small. It's very small. And making it bigger is not a good idea, really not. I don't guess that I have changed it. Is the default embark size on the bark map, the, the smallest uh, map, is it a 3x3 three three grid? Yes, it should be, yes. So you're saying that you can change that to a 4x4 four four or a 2x2 two two, two two if you wanted to? Yeah, I think the smallest is 2x2. Two two. I'm, I'm not sure anymore, but you can definitely go even 6x6. Six six. Wow, that, uh, would be, that would be very large. It is way too large, and your computer says just nope and jumps out the in the, the window. <laughs> so perhaps I have mine set at, at, for this particular uh, embark as a two by two. Uh, without maybe I hit a keystroke and didn't realize what I was doing, changed it, and just didn't notice. I did notice that I have less area to dig out before I have to start mining another level down. Yeah, it hasn't made that much of an impact on my gameplay. Uh, as yet just uh, my my fortress is not quite as sprawling on any given z level as <laughs> as it was on whenever i was using the larger worlds so and again it does i don't think it sounds like it was not the fact that i'm on a smaller world it's the fact that i did something that I, that must have changed the uh yeah. the size yeah. of the embark location that i that i chose whenever i embarked yeah yeah uh, so you could also have like a pocket world and then make a, I don't know six by six embark location, which of course means that um, the entire location you embark in will not be available anymore. So if you know what I'm talking about, uh, if you go in um, Dwarf Fortress um, World Generation and you want to make a new fort, you can always hover over already existing towns and stuff and they always tend to be enormous you know what i mean right right um even though if you go in adventure mode there they are not as big as they looked um that's because they have a giant embark location which makes it impossible for you to just sit somewhere on the edge of that ah so it might be even possible to actually have an embark which is as big as those pre-generated towns. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I, I had always wondered whenever I was looking at the embark screen, those places that were not available to me, I I knew that they were towns and they were villages, but I <laughs> I actually thought that I was looking at actual walls that were city walls and that you just could not embark within those city walls but uh, now i now i realized that was not literal walls that i was looking at that was just <laughs> a space that re was reserved and just not allowing me to embark to that location right yeah 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 interesting, interesting. I, I too like to think it's kind of like city walls because it looks cool this last world that I generated, I tried to make everything uh, to be as beneficial to me as I could with my limited knowledge of what I was actually doing. But I think that I had a smaller world size, a high number of civilizations, a high number of... And I'm not sure what the maximum number of sites. I'm not sure what that really means, but I, would, I chose a high of that. Low beasts, low savagery, and everywhere for mineral occurrence. Uh, <laughs> um, I think... 
sites is about um, just random world stuff like layers and how often they can like generate itself i'm i'm not sure on that i'm not sure but um i think uh, civilizations is just how much how how many people are there and sites is um how much well sites you can encounter like layers or caves or whatever so more sites means more towns i think okay We'll have a a topic one of these days of the advanced world generation parameters, and uh, and I will study up on those before uh, before we come in to record it. I I knew that I wanted to talk a little bit today about the about the world generation, but mostly it was just uh, to ask you what your preferred world generation parameters were for the basics. Do you go into the advanced and and play with those? Yeah, I did for a time uh, until I found that I have no idea what I'm doing. I tried to make a super savagery world, like everything evil, just everything haunted. Um, turns out it doesn't work like that, or I don't know how to make it work, because the game just kept crashing. But people actually do that kind of stuff and send out, put their worlds on the internet. So you can already download wonderful words, like one small island that is just full of beasts and everything is haunted and you don't want to be any near anywhere near this it's nice to play but i don't know like having 200 necromancers seems kind of excessive to me <laughs> so are these are these people posting save files yeah cool. so it's it's not they don't have a fort already it's just the um, world file just the world oh yeah wow neat Well, we need to take some screenshots of our fortresses to post on the Dwarf Fortress Roundtable website. Might make occasional posts just about what our what our current worlds look like if anybody uh, cares to look at them. And anybody listening, if you would like to send us a image of what your favorite fortress looks like, you're welcome to do so. We'll put it on the webpage. Yeah, just spam the memes, guys. <laughs> What's that? Memes. Oh more yeah, yeah. memes. Yeah. I want more of them. <laughs> One thing that I want to make sure that that I get in this week that I meant to talk about last week and did not. I encourage everyone who enjoys playing Dwarf Fortress to, if you can, donate a little bit of money to Tony One. You can find the link to donate with Patreon on the Bay12Games.com website. And. Well, have you got anything else that you'd uh, that you'd like to go over? Maybe, but I'm not sure if uh, it fits right now. Uh, I think it would be better if I save it for next week, so I can like go really into detail. Okay, this has been episode two of Dwarf Fortress Roundtable. We are going to reach out and see if we can get a community guest on next week, because again, that is one of the goals of the podcast to bring in community members to talk about Dwarf Fortress. And it doesn't just have to be a YouTube content creator. Anybody who wants to talk with us, we would love to have you on. Just drop us a message and we'll get you on so you can talk with us about our favorite game. All right. Yeah. All right. So we'll see all of you folks next time on Dwarf Fortress Roundtable. Goodbye.
This has been Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things dwarfy. Join us for each episode as we discuss the game, the community, and the obsessive compulsion to play. You can find our podcast at dfroundtable.com. If you have any comments, ideas for discussion, or would like to appear on Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, please leave a message in this show's comment section at dfroundtable.com. The theme song is Skye Qlen by Kevin McLeod. Find Kevin McLeod's music at incompetech.com. The link is in the show notes. This is a Cassiterite podcast. All craft horsemanship is of the highest quality. It is encircled with bands of Cassiterite. This podcast menaces with spikes of Cassiterite. On the podcast is an image of a pigtail in Orthoplace.